0: Listening to the Auxiliary Gate podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now here are your hosts Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, Jeff Riggs, and CeCe Broadus.
1: The Auxiliary Gate, big promise. Hi everybody, welcome to episode number one sixty four of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined not by Brandon Jaggers. He may be along later. Hopefully, hopefully we can work that out. I mean, we're having a contract issue with him I'm trying to extend that contract. He's holding it out, but we'll, we'll try to get him later in the show. We do have as consolation prizes is Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you?
2: I'm the place money compared to Brandon. Right? I'm the I'm fine, but. You're the exotic key. The exotics key. And Brandon that nil money, right? He likes to hold out for that. So we'll see. And he's got a lot of it. Yes, he does.
1: Also joined by Jeff Riggs. Jeff, how you doing, sir? Sir,
0: sure, doing well. Doing very well. No complaints. Getting uh, getting ready for this UK Miami game tonight, and uh, watch the Zia Park Derby earlier. So what a day it is today.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about this Zia Park Derby. I, I, I know red route one was in the race, Slip Mahoney. I think Slip Mahoney was off the board. Uh, but I, I really don't care. It's all about the video quality. That race looked like it was filmed by my old camcorder from
2: 1988.
1: I need to see this. Oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's nothing special. It's just, yeah, it's standard definition when every track in North America has high definition now, but uh, yeah. Any, any thoughts on the Zia yeah. Park Derby? Yeah, that's and it, that place yeah, is a casino well, so rough so you, for sure. The, you, you know, they're rolling in cash over there in New Mexico. Upgrade the quality of your video, obviously. We know horse racing is a second-class citizen in a lot of these racinos, but come on, man.
0: Very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, the the split screen specifically was a little rough. I thought You could only yeah. see like with a you know two of the horses at a time and. But, uh, I, I will say it was a very impressive performance by the winner. Two rivers over, Doug O'Neill, horse, I mean, uh, was pressing pretty much the whole way. He didn't have an easy trip at all and, and kicked away from him. Red Route One, uh, tried to make a little bit of a run late, but was too late. And I thought Slit Mahoney was very disappointing. I didn't really see any, I mean, as you could say with the camera, I'm not sure we could tell if there was trouble, but I didn't see any obvious, right. uh, excuse there for that one. I don't know. What'd you think?
1: I, I, I wasn't even looking at him. I was, I, I was watching for red route one on, I didn't even bet the race or anything, but I'm just, I saw red route one was, I thought he might win, but the, the, the O'Neill horse took off late, but the earlier on the card now, uh, horse of interest, uh, if you all remember American rascal back in the spring, mm-hmm. at Keeneland for Wesley Ward for Stone yes. Street, this horse won a stakes on that undercard for Steve Asmussen now. Uh, so yeah, this horse has, uh, changed hands. And we he may be a factor going forward if
2: Ashnees
0: can figure him out.
2: What did he pay? Two oh three for two dollars? Yeah, it wasn't much. How <laughs> did Zia Park? Yeah, two
1: sixty,
0: two sixty. 260, 260, 260. Five. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, that was interesting. That horse was supposed to have been special and uh went to Royal Ascot and did nothing. Came back and ran on an Al Trace here at Churchill and did nothing again. Uh finished off the board and now he's a stakes winner. So there you go. Full circle. Amazing, he ended
2: up up, amazing that horse ended up out there. I, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Running anyway. against Wally Cody and stuff. Right, right. And so I've been craving pizza
1: for the last couple of weeks, and boy, we don't have a very good selection around here. Now, I, I'm going to ask you all to recommend a, a nice pizza restaurant, Necessary, not necessarily a chain, and hometown pizza is disqualified. We've had a hometown pizza here in Bloomfield for 35 years, at least maybe getting close to 40 years. So I'm sick of hometown pizza. It's a nice, they have the best lunch special. You get a individual pizza and a salad and it's like for eight or nine bucks or whatever. So yeah, I mean, hometown pizza is still quality, but I need something different it's and there's a not good. a lot of choices around here. Obviously there's, just, there's the, the franchises like pizza hut and Domino's and little Caesars and, and, and Papa John's. I'm just sick of those places. I, they they do nothing for me. I need something unique. So guys, well, I need something.
2: Well, if if you, if you want to come to Louisville, right? First of all, I would advise you go to Chicago to get real pizza. That's not a cliche people come up with. That is that is uh serious stuff. I can think of four or five places off the top of my head in Chicago where that deep dish does reign supreme. It is not it is not some sort of a tourist thing. It, it's the it's the bomb, but. Here in Louisville, you can dodge the, you can dodge some of the gunshots, you want to come down to Louisville. Uh, I like, um the post. Uh, um, mm-hmm. you ever heard of the post out in Goss Avenue? I
1: have. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's
2: really good. Really good. Uh, what else is there? Um, give me just a second here. Uh, yeah. Of course I do like, I do like hometown for, for a chain, but, uh, and down in, there's a Goodfellas down in Lexington. That's really good. If you've ever been there and they're good, a good fellows is good. I've, I, I do like that place
1: and there's one in uh, Louisville too, right? Down, down where Phoenix Hill Tavern maybe used to be. I
2: think that might be in Diorials. There's like two or three De Orioles locations. I think they may open up another one. De Orioles is really good. So
1: I've never and, had Diorials.
2: Yeah. Give me in the city of Louisville. Give me Diorials and give me, uh, the other one I just mentioned. Um, and I can't remember what the hell I just said. Oh, the post.
0: Yeah. 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 Very good selections for sure. Um, especially Diorio's. That's the one that I was gonna I was gonna say. They have a they have a thirty inch pizza they call the massive gibbon there, and I know from experience you cannot fit it through a regulation size front door without. Have you choking. tried it?
2: Have you tried I, to eat it?
0: Yes. Well I haven't eaten the whole thing by myself, but I've no. eaten it with crew.
2: <laughs> Did you get it done?
0: Uh it took us two, it we had leftovers. It, it it was two days that we were that we were eating on it. Uh my whole family we we got together at my sister's house we were watching a game or something and we decided that that sounded good. So we went with that and it is as big as advertised. It's pretty intense and it's really good. I just, it's a really good place in general. And 17 then the
2: other pounds, world, 17 pounds, like 85 yeah. bucks, right? Gee,
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable, but it's, I think it's value actually at that price, just because how much we got out of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that place is great. And then the classic in areas in Louisville, that's always good too. It'll take you a while. If you go there, make sure you, you know, have some time if you're going there, but it, it's really good stuff as well. And, you
3: did know, you all ever eat it? Go I'm
2: ahead. Sorry, but go ahead. ahead. Derby City Pizza, right by the right by Churchill Downs, there on Critton Drive. It's small, there's a small few of them here in the, in the city, but the one down there by uh, the track is really good on Critton Drive. Derby City Pizza. I think
1: there's one in Mount Washington too. There is. You're correct. That's Twenty-five minutes away. But uh, uh, did you all ever eat it Jake and Elwood's?
2: Yes, that was good. That was out there. We used to be where uh, the first Buffalo Wild Wings was out there on a. Uh, out there near uh, Breckenridge Lane, Breckenridge and Cherokee.
0: Really? Yeah. Did Did you try their Chicago-style pizza, Alan?
2: I did not. I don't think so. Okay,
0: because okay. I was a little surprised with your with your reaction, because with how much you like Chicago-style, I did try the, it when it was there, and I was very disappointed. Yeah. It just um, wasn't, you know.
2: They are no more, right? I think they closed. I believe they did. It's uh, That BW3 is now Molly Malone's. It was it was more like it wasn't like a, your typical BW three like we you know or Buffalo Wild Wings like we know now. It's more like a uh place to yeah, hang out.
1: I've I've been there. Yeah, I, I was yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. All
2: right. There you go. Yeah.
1: Well, there we go. So if yeah, next time in, I'm in the Highlands, which would be six years from now,
2: I'll try <laughs> the Oreos. But
1: now right, moving right along, uh, uh Kentucky Derby winner Mage has been retired to stud. He'll go to Airdrie Stud. Uh, one hit wonder, would you say? Uh, just, uh, he won the Kentucky Derby, finished second in the Florida Derby, third in the Preakness, as I recall. I think he was either second or third in the Haskell. Uh, I was really looking forward to a four year old campaign from Mage. I thought, uh, you know, there was a lot there under the hood, but, uh, the, the money is too good right now for stallions and, and there's another star being whisked off the
2: stud. Uh, I don't let those things bother me anymore. I mean, I, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm not as invested in, in the superstar aspect of this sport anyway. And stuff. So, I mean, everybody knows I'm a local guy, but, uh, I remember, I actually do remember Major's debut win. It was like 11 to one. It the first time started down a Gulfstream, right? Sprinting. Uh, so I was impressed by that when he won there. And then he turns out a few months later, he's winning the Derby at a mile and a quarter. Or so. I don't know if I call it a one-hit wonder. I mean, hitting the board in the other Triple Crown race—that's no small feat. But uh I was never a huge Mage guy. I guess maybe because I didn't like him in the Derby, so that's on me, right? So, um, owners have to make their decision. So, second horse
1: since Apollo did not race at two to win the Derby. Justify mm-hmm. was the first since Apollo.
2: Will we remember Mage down the road? It's unlikely. Jeff, yeah, mm-hmm. will we remember Mage? Will even be one of those, yeah. those derby winners you have a hard time remembering eight, nine years from now? I will remember
0: Mage personally because when I was around the track derby week, Mage is the horse that impressed me the most on the track. And I talked myself out of using him on top just because of experience. And as you said, you know, Justify was the only one since Apollo to to win without racing it two and you know that was a triple crown winner, so I used Mage in all the spots except the top spot, and I was all over two fills on the top spot. So I was as close as you could get to hammering the Derby as as I could with, oh. with So so uh, I will remember Mage for that fact, but I'm not sure you know the average horse racing fan will.
1: Who's more memorable, Mage or Rich Strike?
2: Rich Strike.
0: Strike definitely.
2: Without question. Again, yeah. ter- turfway bias a little bit, of course, but Rich Strike. Most most your average people are going to be able to name Rich Strike because of the ninety ninety to one stuff. And people remember the long shots. They love the long shots. And then there's a little whether it be manufactured or bitterness or whatever. His name, regardless of the fact he didn't win again, still resonated after the Derby because there was this love him or ha- silly love him or hate him crap that people come up with. They just can't accept things for what they are. So I got to think it's Rich Strike is a little more memorable. Would you say, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. There, there are people who aren't even really that big of horse racing fans who will remember that horse from that day, whether they were at the track or watching it at home. Um, you know, I, I personally know a couple of people who really aren't horse racing fans at all, but they picked Root Strike just, you know, because it was eighty to one, and that's that's a memory they'll they'll hold on to forever.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to turn the page on the calendar to a new racetrack, Turfway Park opens on Wednesday night, November 29th. We're recording this on Tuesday night and we're going to now go to our special guest who's a familiar voice for the podcast and on the Kentucky circuit. So without further ado,
2: uh, yeah, it's gotta be honest with you. It's kind of obvious with, the uh, Florence, Kentucky's favorite track opening tomorrow night that we bring back, obviously the face of Turfway Park. She's your friend and ours. It's Caitlin, y'all. Uh, how you doing there, Miss Caitlin Free? How you doing?
4: I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys, and obviously a very exciting time—not only of the week, but of the year. Everybody's favorite track's coming back.
2: It's one of my favorites, as you know. I talk about it endlessly, and I think CC mistakenly promised we were having Pamela Anderson. I'm going to mention a blonde last week, but this is just as good, right, Caitlin? You're just as good as Pam, right?
4: Ah, we'll
2: see. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you for coming. I know things are pretty busy for you, uh, in 2023. So we appreciate you making the time. I know it's a labor of love for you. Um, it is. But, yeah. I know. I really know it's, it's genuine. You can really tell it with you. Um, but before we get in all the, the glory, the, the uh, ardor of Turfway Park, uh, with you, let's, let's talk about your 2023 so people understand what you've been going through this year, what you've been up to. Um, there's Churchill Downs, there's the Kentucky Derby, there's the Kentucky Oaks, Turfway Park, and, um, even Colonial Downs in Virginia this year. You added that to your repertoire. Uh, I know you've been in this thing for a couple of years now full time, but do you, do you still pinch yourself knowing that you're getting paid to do something that you obviously love?
4: No, I do. Sometimes, you know, I have to stand back and really think of it. And days where I think it really hits me are closing days of the meet or really of the year. Um, Like the last day where we ran at Churchill a few days ago, I stood by the finish line and watched the last race by myself. Just like thinking, man, I'm not going to see this place for like six months. And I mean, just knowing that I get to work in the biggest racetrack in the country and I get to be there every single day. Um, whether it's the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Oaks, or some sixteen thousand dollar claim on a Wednesday, I get to be there for everything that happens there, and I feel very, very much included with all the happenings at the tracks. And I love it. I've loved everything uh, that Turfway has provided me because Turfway just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the same thing could be said for Colonial. I absolutely loved my first year at Colonial, and I'm so excited to do it again next year and i even got to throw a little bit of ellis in the mix too so mm-hmm. so many exciting things happening with all of our properties and just getting to be a part of it has just it's been awesome
2: yeah you've really hit for the cycle this year now that i think about it You're really, <laughs> it's pretty impressive and you speaking of colonial dance stole my thunder there a little bit um you know personally i love that part of the country uh my my wife has family there uh, we've been to Virginia Beach numerous times. Uh, hell, I've been to Walton's Mountain. I've been all over the, the Charlottesville and I've been to Colonial Downs. I personally love that part of the country. I love that racetrack. Uh, your first time there working is a, a full-time gig. What did you, what did you think of not just the track, but the experience overall, but the, the landscape? what did you think? Uh,
4: there's so much just going on in that area, not necessarily near Colonial because there's not a lot. There's but not. It's kind of just out by itself like it's like the racetrack was there before anything else was which it kind of makes it really peaceful because you don't have you know airplanes landing overhead there's not a ton of traffic around it it's just you're one with the landscape and the horses which i think is really cool there's not a lot of places where you get to have that but the surrounding areas richmond's not really my favorite place in the world i Um, get get that parts of richmond but there's also some really cool things about richmond Um, I really liked Virginia Beach when I had a chance to go there. I grew up going to Myrtle Beach and some other places down south, Florida, stuff like that. So going to Virginia Beach kind of had a really kind of like small beachy type of nostalgia to it that I really, really loved. But it's interesting. I didn't think it would be much different from the things, you know, we see here um in kentucky and ohio where i'm from um but i will say there is a ton of trees in that area yes. <laughs> um,
2: yes. the
4: first time i brought my boyfriend kyle to uh colonial this year as we were driving he's like i've never seen so many trees in my life this is the most tree-filled area and he just like kept talking about it and the more i think of it i'm like there was a lot of trees around there
2: it is true it's it's one of the reasons that area is so nice and uh yeah, I'm a fan of Virginia. I could see myself moving there at some point. I like it so much. In the land of Jason Beam, right? And you got to be hang out with Jason mm-hmm. all day. So that's got to be that cool. That was awesome.
4: James and I, J, or Jason and I have been friends for so long. Once I first started getting into racing about 15 years ago or so, he was a person that I caught on to, like, immediately, because he was just, you know, starting with his announcing and all that stuff. And, I mean, we're not super, super far apart in age, so – definitely
2: that's that's true and uh, you know now you're back to Turfway, and we bring up announcers and stuff because there's a couple of changes of note at Turfway, right okay. so the the bean thing works a pretty good segue uh finger lakes and a former pod guest but i guess almost everybody's been a former pod guest by now uh tony calo uh from upstate new york is taking over the announcer's booth. uh we're big fans of him we really enjoyed him and it sure seems like uh the reception for him overall, from what I've gathered, is is highly enthusiastic for his arrival. Um, what's your take on that?
4: I saw a tweet that said it best. Was um, they said they didn't know who Tony Kahlo was, but it sounded like it was a bigger signing than Otani. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> That's,
4: well. When I, I first had found out about it, I stayed quiet for a little while, but I kept telling Tony, he's like, what do you think the reception will be like? I was like, it's going to be overwhelmingly positive. I was, I told him, I said, I can't think of a scenario where anybody has anything negative to say about you because I can't think of anything negative to ever say about Tony. He filled in last year. Uh When Jimmy, our form announcer, was out when he had a surgery, uh Tony was the fill-in, and the reception was great. He did a fantastic job. He said that that's one of the hardest tracks that he has ever called, um, yeah. just because of the, the setup. And, you know, there's some blind spots in the track. But I would have never known that because he did such a good job. So, um, you know, he was the one that if there was going to be, you know, a change made or Jimmy left that um, – I was really, really hopeful would get it that yeah. wanted it and I knew was going to be in good hands.
2: You know, and that's, it, you mentioned that about, I, I have heard from other announcers that the sight lines are kind of rough there, especially going in the first turn. Mm-hmm. Plus, you, plus you factor in that it's night racing, plus you factor in 12 horse fields nonstop, whereas Mr. Cale has been working in the afternoon with a lot of six and seven horse fields, right? So when you throw all that at him that week that he came here, that was impressive that he was able yeah. to pull that off, right? I mean, it's, it's a pretty pretty tough little uh, reversal of fortune he had right there. So we're excited to have him, and I know you are, and a lot of other people are. But uh, another change that we're going to see with the coverage of Turfway Park this year is, I think people are accustomed to having you doing this in front of a computer, right? The, the analysis from the computer, or maybe at, at Turfway, you're going to be doing it at Churchill playing point guard with uh, the man that is Scott Shapiro sitting at your wing there from the Churchill Downs Palatial Studios, right, down there on Central Avenue. Uh, sure helps to double team uh, such big fields, doesn't it?
4: It does. We're going to really spruce up the coverage this year, have a nice studio to do it in, and I will be there reporting on the grounds sometimes um, during the meet when we have a lot of stakes days, stuff like that. I'll probably be in the paddock in the cold, but, you know, that happens sometimes. I'm kind of used to stuff like that. But, yeah, we're going to be sitting at the actual desk, and Scott is going to be my wingman this year. Um, Scott did the coverage a few times last year when I was either out sick or I had um some time off I needed to take for family reasons or what have you. But he's done the expert picks. I did some of the expert picks last year, but he's done the expert picks for Turfway for – a while, So he's obviously extremely familiar with the product the same way I am. So I have the utmost confidence that we're, it's going to be really fun.
2: Yeah. He's the man. Uh, Chef is the man. All you guys are the man. You hear me say that all the time. Cause <laughs> I mean it. Uh, but yeah, you personally have been at this for, I want to say two, over two years now at Turfway. Is this is I'm my sure?
4: third year at Turfway.
2: So I'm going to use that, uh, that, uh, logic to encourage you to brag on the successful <laughs> horses that we have seen, Race at Turfway, then go on to other places and flourish at, at the highest level, right? Uh, name some for it. So people actually have an idea just how elevated this product has gotten at Turfway. I know yes. you can just list them off off top of your head. Pressure. It's gotten
4: so good within the past two or three years. Um, some horses that come to mind, obviously, Rich Strike, who won the Kentucky Derby, Falling a, I believe it was a third or a fourth place effort in the Jeff Ruby Stakes, but he went through the entire uh, point system for the Road to Kentucky Derby here um, at uh, Turfway Park. Uh, two fills, also mm-hmm. won the Jeff Ruby Stakes and almost won the Kentucky Derby. Had Mage not been there, he would have made it back-to-back Derby winners um, for Turfway Caravel. Prepped here in 2022 on her way to the Breeders Cup Turf Sprint. We actually have back-to-back Turf Sprint winners because no balls for Larry Ravelli is point. also a Turfway horse. He uh, races there. He trains there. So I'm sure we'll see him in this meet at some point. Um Idiomatic has long time been a Turfway horse for Brad Cox. He won, she won the Breeders Cup this staff and potentially en route to a Horse of the Year, um, title. So she's definitely going to be champion um older, dirt, female. But so many good horses have come out of there. I mean, it's crazy. And, and I mean, people, you know, I've heard some trolls on stuff, you know, dog on Turfway and say, oh, this product's boring. It's nothing but cheap horses. Well, last Perfect. time I checked, mm-hmm. uh, most players, horse players don't have a problem betting on cheap horses. As long as you have decent takeout, full field's, and a consistent product, which we have all of that. But there's also good horses that run there. So uh, what more can you want?
2: Uh, you did a good job bragging. I <laughs> I get tired of having to brag on it. So excellent work there. I feel exactly <laughs> the same way. Um, and I know these guys do too. Uh, but as a nightly observer, someone who's been there through the, the four month grind that can be Turfway, I mean, over a, two years, you pick up angles, edges, personal angles and mm-hmm. edges. Um, anything off the top of your head, and you know I'm not trying to put you on a spot here that you think in your time there that has gained you an angle, an edge, whether it be sires who like the synthetic, whether it be how weather affects pace, whether it be trainers who people overlook, yada, yada, anything that comes to mind?
4: Oh, there's so much of that. Um, it's funny you mentioned that weather affecting pace, I feel like is the one that uh, goes over people's heads quite a bit. Um, Cause you really have to really be paying attention. I feel like when it's cold, the track kind of tightens and speeds up. So I feel like on a night where, like, for example, in Louisville right now, it's 28 degrees. So in Florence, it's probably 25 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably be an example of a night where the track would tighten a little bit and maybe favor speed slightly, um, but certainly be on the edge of fairness, but as where it could be a night where it's 50 or 60. Then I think it's going to loosen up a little bit and maybe favor horses coming from off the pace. We're trending toward the other edge of fair now. Let's say it's 10 degrees. We've had a little bit of snow, and the track is kind of frozen. Now it's going to really favor speed. So I think you kind of have to look at that, um, what type of precipitation is there, because the track is always going to be fast, and it's never we're never going to be off of it because of weather, unless, you know, we got a foot of snow. That's different, but – If there's precipitation and there's frozen precipitation where there has a chance to be, like, a little bit of ice mixed in, then I think that's going to maybe carry a little bit more of a speedier type of surface. And as far as sires go, it's something that changes all the time. I stick by the fact that I think the factor is the king of the synthetic (laughs) sires. He's by far uh, my favorite. Tourist was one I really picked up on last year that has done well. Competitive Edge does well. um, Classic Empire. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, There's quite a few. Anything kind of really from that Pioneer, the Nile branch, usually does well. I'm anxious to see how the justify um, perform over the synthetic because he's done so good on dirt and turf. I don't see why they kind of wouldn't run well on the synthetic. But I'd say the two biggest ones within the past year that come to my mind are obviously always going to be the factor. They seem to just handle turfway at a different level, but tourists, too.
2: Great, great stuff. I, I completely agree with all of that. Um, something else we have talked about and it's something everybody has picked up on, right? With the money that they're offering at Turfway Park, you knew that that jockey colony was going to get even deeper, getting even bigger. Uh, the money's flowing in, right? And right. I, I believe you told me the other day that we're up to 50, 55 jockeys in the colony there, correct? Men and women? Uh,
4: 55 or 57.
2: It's, it's growing. It may be more by the time we get done with this stupid podcast. Uh, but obviously the, the big guys there for people who don't know, uh, Gerardo Corrales, right? Uh, Luan Machado, uh, Joe Talamo, Walter Rodriguez in his first year there had a big meet. There's Declan Cannon, there's Alex Shard, there's Aaron Peterson, there's Fernando de La Cruz, Joe Ramos, all these guys uh, underrated is, do you believe Corrales takes the title? He's like the man there, right?
4: He is the man, and he. it feels like he just keeps getting better and better and better. He won a Breeders' Cup race this year. He ran in his or rode in his first Kentucky Derby. I'm going... You got, going to sleep,
2: you got a sleeper for me for the title. Do you have someone? or I do.
4: I do. I don't know if he's going to be a sleeper much longer because he, ever since I saw him ride in Kentucky as of a week ago, immediately had my attention. I feel like he has everybody else's attention at this point, um, and that's the soon-to-not-be-apprentice rider anymore, uh, Axel Concepcion. Really? I think that he's going to give Corrales and the rest of this colony everything that they can handle, because it doesn't matter what type of horses are, he just wins. He has an aggressive riding style, which kind of tears on the edge of, you know, sometimes can be...
2: Irritism, a,
4: <laughs> a little, a little, a little. But what I've seen of him, he's not really doing that as much anymore. He just has a type of skill that I've not seen in that young of a rider ever before. I mean, to come into Churchill Downs never having rode there, rode five know. winners in one week, had a riding double, and two outride Tyler Gaffney and Luis Saez, that, you just don't see that that often.
2: So what you're no. saying is, what you're saying is... um, that if you're going to hit on, get on Axel, you might want to get on Axel early when the majority of people aren't really feeling that just yet, when you can get 9-1 to one, or you might get 13-1, to one, right?
4: Right. I would say the holiday meet's going to be kind of your time for that because I think up until maybe the halfway portion of the December meet or starting in January is when he loses uh, the rest of his bug and he'll be a journeyman rider. Not that it makes that much of a difference, but it may, it may still be a little bit of something, but he's far and away. Impressed me. And when I heard he was coming to Turfway, like, this is going to be a really competitive meet.
2: So, you know, I watched him this, because I didn't know much about him. I watched him this past week and I would say that Axel rose to the occasion. Uh, that might be <laughs> over your head. At, Come you know, on, <laughs> Come on. I cannot help myself. I'm going to you with one more question, uh, Caitlin, before I throw it to, uh, the Daily Double here. Uh, so we talked about Axel. We talked about Gerardo, but again, we got a, a deep jockey colony. Um, Is there some guys, some jocks there that you think are sleeper picks or people know, hey, just, you got to include this, this person, um, at a price because they're always, they're always live. Some of the guys I just mentioned, Walter Rodriguez friends, is there other sleeper type jockeys? I don't know, sleeper trainers, but sleeper jockeys that, uh, you like to keep an eye on?
4: I'm not sure that they would really be sleepers anymore, but, uh, Juan Machado has gone on to bigger and better things, Declan Cannon. Absolutely. Um, trying to think of me. I think Adam Basketta and um, Gavin Ashton are going to ride really, really well at Turfway because you know Declan's kind of the same same way. Um, being European riders, they don't really ever ride on the dirt, but they're capable of riding on the dirt um, here in America because that's how they learn to ride on the dirt. But they grew up riding on synthetic. So I think they have a little bit of an edge of some of the newer riders coming in, you know, based on being a little more comfortable on a synthetic type of surface.
2: Uh, that gives me a chance before I do kick it to these guys, a little bit of a spoiler alert. That last guy you mentioned might be on this podcast here pretty soon, Gavin Ashton. He might, <laughs> that might be in the, in the very near future. We'll see. But hopefully he wins a couple of free he But He's already won. He won like three races in like two weeks at Churchill. So he's, yeah. uh, he's definitely someone to keep an, it's a good, a good addition there. He's really good, very talented. All right, C. Why
1: don't you swing it back to me later? I don't want to talk about Turfway. I'm going to talk about something else
2: with Kate. All right. I don't know why anybody would not want to talk about Turfway. Um, I got but something the,
1: better. I got something better to
2: talk about. Oh, really? I didn't know there was such a thing, but with that said, you, Mr. Riggs, you're up.
0: <laughs> I don't know that there's anything better to talk to Caitlin about than Turfway, but, uh, hello. International friend.
2: racing? Go ahead.
0: International racing. That's true. That might be the better one. That's true. But, uh, yeah, Caitlin, thank you for joining us. Uh, good to see you again. I had the pleasure of working with Caitlin the past couple of meets, um, at Churchill. And I tell you what, there's nobody that prepares harder than she and Scott and Joe. So I just wanted to give you a shout out, uh, no, for, for, for the beginning. But, um, I did want to ask you about Turfway in particular. So you, you touched on weather a little bit already, but that's a place that I just personally have trouble handicapping. I mean, full fields kind of go to that anyway, but I, I have a hard time putting together some of these big prizes that come. Are there any things that you really focus on when, uh, you're looking for winners there? Cause you've been able to uncork a few of these.
4: <sighs> really, um, a lot of it is kind of putting all the pieces together at once. There's a lot of things that I look at at Turfway that maybe I wouldn't look at, say, Churchill, Colonial, things like that. Um, I like horses at least have one try over the synthetic because I'd say the most easy type of a situation for me to learn, to be like, hey, I won't make that mistake again, is a couple of years ago when Beverly Park was like, the hottest thing he'd won like 20 races in a year he was coming into um a starter allowance at turfway and he was like one to five i thought there's no way this horse could lose this race he didn't like the synthetic hated it and lost he was like last so i would say in like instances like that kind of you know be wary of horses that maybe haven't tried it um trainer and jockey combinations certainly uh i would say make up a lot of of my opinions there, um, it's kind of hard to start with those in the holiday season when the meet's just starting because, you know, you don't know who's going to be hot and who's not going to be. But really, I'll go on Equibase and see who some of the leading trainers were from last year who had, like, the highest ROIs and stuff like that and kind of use that as a starting point. But also, even if it's these cheaper level type of races, if there's a whole slew of horses that haven't raced on the all-weather, which there's some races like that tomorrow – Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say that, oh, you don't want to look at pedigree for the, you know, those types of races. And there's a point to that when it comes to like the dirt and the turf. But when you're trying something new like synthetic, that's a very niche type of thing where I think a lot of breeding does come into play. That is something that can sway me between two horses easily.
0: Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you were talking about jockey trainer combinations as well I think that's that's a big thing too and we know that Paulo Lobo and Gerardo Corrales have been kind of a, a super team here recently I, I was I was glancing at the entries coming up the next few days and I noticed that there are some horses where they're together but it looks like um Corrales is kind of branching out to some other trainers and Lobo's using a couple different jockeys I saw Alvin Jimenez on there a few times Um are there are there any other combinations than than those two that you really hone in
2: on can I add one for she talks? Can I add one? I know she, yes. if she doesn't think about it. Dougie Cowans and Louis Machado. Yes. Go ahead.
4: Yes, that's that's a big one for sure. Um I would probably say um
2: Sarah Hamilton and Declan Cannon, maybe? Or Vicky Oliver and Declan she's
4: Cannon? She's there. Um yeah. Vicky Oliver and Martin Garcia. There you go. Do. But they're not going to be there that often. I would probably say Walter Rodriguez and Wesley Ward.
2: hmm
4: Um, Alex Hishard and Rodolph Mhm. Um Fernanda De La Cruz is literally good with anybody. John McKee's good with anyone. Oh, I have one for you.
2: Okay, I'm ready.
4: <laughs> Perry Oots and And
2: Larry Smith.
4: Larry Smith, <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Definitely.
4: That is money on top of money.
2: hmm awesome. She's right. That's, that's exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> and they got one tomorrow, don't they?
4: Yeah, they have one tomorrow. I think that's Perry's only mount. Yep, I'm looking at it. Supreme Song and race number seven. The horse is five to one. Oh. Um and there's a seven to two in there and a couple of four to ones. And the horse is breaking from the rail, and you know Perry's going to go out there, guns are blazing, and it's going to be cold. Just saying. <laughs>
2: I'm with you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And only about the day, too. So he's there for a reason. I like it. Yep. Yep. Um, so, talking holiday meat, are are there any uh stakes races that you really look forward to in the holiday meet that people are looking forward to i know they have the holiday inaugural states uh coming up on saturday is there anything else coming up soon for people to be on the lookout
4: um i think it was more so last year when visitant and beatbox and a few of those other horses are racing I'm not sure where on is these days. I know after a brief start as a stallion, he got back into trading. I don't know if he's going to be at Turfway, but uh, Beatbox is actually going to be running down on the turf at Fairgrounds, so I'm not sure we'll see him at um, Turfway all that much, if at all, but it, really some of these older horse races, especially the sprints, um, those kind of really come into play to be important races later on, because Nobles has came out of those races, no balls, Caravel, stuff like that, but... The holiday inaugural one is a really good race to start off with and it drew a pretty good field. Um that's a I'm trying to think of there's one that is the very last day of the meet. It's the holiday cheer take, so it's either the first the last day of the meet or the beginning of the um,
2: winter the first, meet. I think it's the first day, yeah. Yeah, you're right.
4: Yeah. It's one of those meets but it always usually draws a really, really good field
2: visitant ran
1: in the native diver at del mar over the weekend finished seventh, just just okay. to interject.
4: and doesn't okay. Sherita
2: bow have beatbox now i think yes. Bo
4: does. yeah she's got beatbox
0: speaking of Sherita bow i've seen her in the entries here early on i think she could have a, a big meet if she keeps sending horses to Turfway as well
4: oh for sure yeah a lot of these trainers you know she's got a big string there this year i think she almost sent maybe the maximum of horses you could send there um I know Brad Cox is gonna heavily support it again. Uh the Foleys are gonna be there. Steve Asmussen, obviously, he kinda of sneakily loves Turfway. Um so he'll be there. I'm trying to think of some other barns. I know I know. Bill about
2: have- well, Bill Mori.
4: Bill Mori yeah. is always there for sure. He's gonna be one to always watch, kinda of like at the beginning. Yes. Type of the type of the meat, I would say you'll probably have a good uh feeling of how his horses are gonna go. Mach- or not Luan Machado. Dougie Cowens, speaking of Luan Machado, um, his horses usually do extremely well during the holiday meet. This is
1: good stuff. This is good I'm stuff. looking yeah. for a combo of, like, Kathy Jarvis and Alberto Burgos.
2: <laughs> that worked last year, didn't it? Didn't I it?
1: think it did, Maybe, maybe more than
2: once. Oh, yeah. He's a sneaky good rider, too. He's not bad. Uh, yep. a Jesus Escovel and a Manny Escovel. I mean, we can go on. Manny
4: Escavel's riding at Oakland this year.
2: Oh, he is? Oh, damn it. Well, there went that. I'm not yep. playing. <laughs> he had a good
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he ended up leaving, but yeah, I saw that the other day that he was uh, going to Oakland.
2: And Landeros <laughs> went to Oakland, right? Landeros
4: also went to Oakland, yep.
0: Okay. So, one more question for you, Caitlin, before I turn you over to Cece. Um you are changing to the host going to mm-hmm. Turfway when you were the reporter at Churchill. And I know you've done a little bit of both with Colonial and all the different places you've worked. Um, I guess, one, do you prefer one or the other? And two, how do you prepare differently for the two different roles?
4: I don't really. It doesn't really bother me either way, because sometimes when I'm on the desk during Churchill, I'll be the analyst. If Joe is on as the host. So I've done all three of them. Obviously, I've been the reporter um, and stuff like that way more, but I've probably hosted and been the analyst an equal amount of times. Um, The preparation really isn't that much different, I feel like. I feel like I have to have kind of like more – Points of perspective and kind of like little a little bit more statistical tidbits and kind of different ways to steer the conversation as a host and then kind of ask more questions and challenge the analyst a little bit more as a host. Whereas with as the analyst, I'm just kind of feeding off of the host a little bit and I have a little bit of maybe extra information if that makes sense. Um, but I would say that I'm probably more comfortable. The way that I've been the reporter for a while now, I feel like that makes me maybe a little bit better as a host. I feel like that's maybe a little bit more of an easier role to prepare for. And especially since I've done the broadcast a little bit more than Shaq with Turquoy. I kind of know like how I'm going to segue into every race and how we're going to start the show off and stuff like that. So I, I just feel like it kind of makes a little bit more sense. And I feel like he's such a great analyst that it, it just kind of makes sense for us to do it that way.
2: It's like Cece. You're saying like what Cece does with us as the host. Everything you just described was what Cece does, right, Mr. Broadus? What? As being the host. Everything she just said is what you do.
1: I'm the host because nobody else wants to do it.
2: Oh, I would do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and
1: that's not a proper gauntlet unless we bring in Brandon Jaggers, (laughs) who has been conspicuously absent
3: most of this time. I
4: saw him pop in there.
3: Yeah, let's let's throw
1: it to Brandon, then we're going to throw it back to me.
3: Yeah, hey Caitlin. I think Alan took up all my time earlier. He asked, he asked all my questions I'd written down. But, <laughs>
2: of course I but,
3: did. <laughs> but you were—I uh, saw you Sunday at the track, uh, and you were uh, never sitting still, so I could never come come and talk to you. But um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm looking forward to the Turfway meet big time. I mean, what's better to do at night than you know look at some Turfway races? And
2: uh, I have a just couple curious.
3: Ideas. If if your backdrop this year is going to have, like, palm trees or something in it versus the Turfway logo, have you thought about changing the backdrop when you're reporting (laughs) back at Churchill?
4: I don't know what they're going to have on there as far as the backdrop this year. I feel like when we did it with Ellis, it was just, like, the solid logo versus, like, kind of shooting around different portions. So I have no idea what they have in store, and I don't know what – Turfway logo they're going to be using, if they're going to be using the black one, the yellow one. There's, like, a couple different variations of it. I mean, it would be really cool if we kind of liked it something different. My personal favorite background from last year when I was talking was when they wouldn't cancel right before um, a tornado was coming through in February. And I got the view on the camera view that I had of a barn roof blowing away. Um wow. We're still in the paddock. That's my personal favorite backdrop from Turfway. Things just be crazy there. <laughs>
3: I mean, the weather is, I mean, you get tons of snow, tons of fog, or, I mean, I think we've been through it all, and it's all exciting, but obviously, you know, safety comes first, and it's scary. I mean, that weather changes up there. It's always colder, no matter what, from Louisville. I mean, I I don't think I've ever had a break up there, and it seems to always rain, (laughs) you know? But
4: there's, uh, there's rain, there's snow. I told somebody the other day, I said, I feel like Turfway is the coldest place on earth and uh, Ellis Park's the hottest place on earth.
3: Well, I, I just had one thing uh, that I would love to see added if possible. And this is kind right. of, this is going really far out, but you know how they always do the $3 pick three, all turf pick three. Yep. Maybe we could do like an a, all, you know, a pick three with all allowance horses or maiden horses or two year old, you know, kind of change it up from night to night depending on yeah something the
4: different.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't say really go claimers or tw- you know, but any type of allowance or maiden special weight combo would be kind of fun, uh just to put in and I I, lo- I love that that three dollar pick three. It's always a I can see that there's
4: three allowance races or three main special weight races tomorrow, so. Yeah. Just string
3: think. them, and then 1% yeah. of the takeout comes back to the auxiliary gate because it was my idea. <laughs> I'm going to trademark it uh, probably as soon as we get off this because you can get a trademark for nothing. It's pretty easy. So I'll do that, and then I'll <laughs> sell it back to you guys.
2: Thanks.
4: Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I think one thing that people always forget about turf and I'm sure you guys know this, is the 14% takeout pick for.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had mine one tomorrow night.
4: <laughs> you're like, I, why, you know?
2: I don't usually play the pick four, but I did. There's one that may I might have an idea about a small one tomorrow. So it is exciting, and we
3: appreciate you're going to still tweet out your uh, picks on uh, Twitter or X, right?
4: Oh, yeah. 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 It was kind of one thing we were talking about if we were going to like not do tweets and just put it on the website. And I'm like, I feel like. Turfway's following is a little bit different than Churchill's. Like people were like very into talking about Turfway on social media and kind of tweeting back and forth a lot. So I'm like, I feel like picks should definitely like be on Twitter and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. Okay, cool. And what was the other thing? Oh shoot. Uh, we got no issues with camera angles. That's been solved.
4: That has 100% been solved. Best in the land.
3: Yep. Yeah, um even theme music. I think with Scott, you know, joining you from time to time, will you all be together on every night or just some of the nights or?
4: We're planning for to doing it together most nights.
3: Okay. Well, that's good. That keeps it lively too. And oh shoot, it was on the tip of my tongue, but, uh, I tell you, we're going to come up. I don't know when, but I always think between Christmas and New Year's that week. It's always a fun time to reach out and get up there for an evening. And I think the last time I was there, the second race, somebody pulled the fire alarm. I was going to say,
4: you guys were there for the fire alarm night. Yep.
3: Yeah, yes, yep. that was Never fails. And all it was was a little busted pipe because it's so freaking cold up there. <laughs> but uh, but now I'm going to pass it to CC. I, I'm excited. I love the combos. I love seeing these new jockeys come back, even Perry coming back into action. Um uh, I mean, you might even see John Cord up there. Who knows, but heck, you uh, might. Uh, it's just always a blast. So it's such a different product than anything in America. So I'm excited. I, I've reserved a certain amount of my handle to go to that for sure. Oh, oh, I know what it is. The live feed on the app. Will that <laughs> be still going? Because sometimes I know Gary was working on it a few times last year because I'd sent him a message that it was out, but I, I love the Churchill Downs app. I mean, I think you all should promote the a lot of that because, you know, we don't have cable anymore, so.
4: These I think are, the plan is for it to be on there.
3: Good, good.
4: I'm not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure the plan has been for it to be on there this year.
3: Excellent. If not, I'll I'll, I'll send Gary a message. Yeah,
4: definitely do it.
3: Thank you. CC. All right, let's talk about something important.
4: All right. All I have right, a feeling so- I know what you're going to ask.
1: We're going to talk about the Japan Cup over yep.
4: here.
1: <laughs> I know you stayed up. I stayed up and watched it. I made it somehow. It was a fight. It was a struggle, but I did make it. And it was, uh, it was worth the wait. Equinox beat Liberty Island rather handily. So the question is, where is Equinox's place in, in Japan's history of, uh, of, of top, top equine athletes? Where, where would you place Equinox?
4: Right at the top, I would say he is about level or pretty close to Deep Impact, who they consider to be one of their all-time greats. I think Contrail is kind of maybe within the same breath, but maybe not as much. Deep Impact, I think, is who they consider uh, to be their best. TM Opera O was pretty popular, too, or Fev. But I, I think he's right there, if not better. than there's – and a lot of people think that he's going to retire after this. Um, he went back to the training center, I believe, this morning and I would be really surprised if he didn't run at least one more time because I, I think both he and Liberty Island will run in the Erie McKinnon and face off one more time.
1: That's Christmas Eve, right? That's yep, uh Christmas
4: Eve.
2: That's
1: that, that race is a little longer than a mile and a half. Is that like a mile and three quarters or something like that maybe? Or is that maybe longer?
4: maybe just a few yards than the mile and a half.
1: Okay. I don't I thought, know
4: how many meters it is off the top of my head. I'll have to look and see okay. what the difference is.
1: That, uh, yeah, so the more we see this horse, the better. He's a beautiful horse, first of all. I,
4: I'd love him to stay in training as a 5-year-old next year. I don't think it happens, but I think it's been left up for discussion. It's The Arimakinen is 1,200 meters. Let's see how long the Japan Cup is. It's
1: got to be longer than that, right? Not 1,200 yeah.
4: The Japan Cup is, it's only a hundred meters longer at the Arima is.
1: Okay, I was thinking it was a longer race than that. Okay. I, uh, we'll think of great Japanese horses. I think of his sire, Kid Black. Yep, he really? was, he
4: was a pretty good
1: one. Go, go to YouTube and just watch all his races. That, I mean, he, the horse would go to the lead. He, he'd come from behind. He could do everything. I love that horse. I wish some American breeders would kind of tap into that bloodline. I think bring some of those horses over here that, That would be fun. I love Japanese racing. I wish I could, I don't think the presentation is all that great. I, I, I would like, like to follow it a little bit more, but it's, to me, it's hard to follow. You just can't get good performances and you can't, can't watch replays and all that. So anyway, yeah. So yeah. All right. That's good. That's good. That's all I have. So we'll, we'll flip it back (laughs) over to
4: Alex. Yeah. I had a feeling you were going to ask about Equinox and a couple of people laughed at me. They're like, Oh my gosh. Why are you staying up for this race? And like, I came back to work. Uh, Sunday after they hit brandon on Saturday night and Joe was like, that race just kind of looked average for me. That horse didn't even switch leads. I'm like, the horse didn't need to switch leads.
1: Well, alright, uh, go back to that race. I mean, I, I do wonder, a lot of that field was out of form, right? I mean, Liberty Island obviously was a Japanese Philly Triple Crown winner and mm-hmm. she's just unbelievably special. Like a, like a, a Japanese Inyata in a way. But then you go past that, you know, Doduce was fourth. I think that he was out of form. So, I mean, obviously the runner-up was special, but the, the rest of the field was maybe blah for Japan Cup standards.
4: Uh, actually a lot of people thought it was a very, very good renewal of the Japan, er, the Japan Cup. Uh, stars on Earth, she almost won the Triple Crown last year. Um, she's a very special filly. This just kind of had some health problems this year, but I, I figured she had been sitting on a big effort and she, she kind you know, she ran as such. Somebody kind of broke it down. Let me find the tweet. Um, eight grade one winners, six of which are multiple grade one winners, four classic winners, a triple tier winner, two track record holders, the fastest three-year-old filly in Japan ever, and a world record holder for the 2000 meters. So, some of the field was out of form, like Vela Azul that won the uh, Japan Cup last year. I think he won a weaker version of the Japan Cup last year. He just got stomped. But he's kind of been out of form since they tried right. to race him on the dirt a couple of times. Um Lasso, that was only his first race back, and you knew what they were going to do with him. Right. Um, Send him out there in a tearaway. That was really his only prayer. And I've never been a fan of title holder. I don't think he's a Grade One quality horse. So I mean, there were some in there that were very legitimate, but really those were the big two, and they kind of finished how I expected.
1: Right. Yeah. So looking forward to Christmas Eve. That that'll be for more reasons than one. But that that'll give me something to do later that evening. <laughs> That'd be fun. So yeah,
4: I, I hope that they, I hope that they do it, and I, I really think that they will. I think the temptation will be too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it. Okay. All right, Alan.
2: All right, we'll finish this up here, Caitlin. As always, thank you so much. You're great at what you do. We know you're, we love what you do. Um, and we know that, uh, it's your calling, right? But before we let you go, there is some racing, uh, anything in the next couple of days that catches your eye right off the bat that you think of, whether it be Wednesday, Thursday, I don't know how far ahead you've looked or whatever. But, and if you don't have anything yet or you're waiting for a shaft to give us seven winners tomorrow, that's fine too. But anything catch your eye that you know of?
4: Well, I'm, I'm going to go against uh, the grain a little bit with the heavily favored Mike Maker horse tomorrow. There's a horse in the first race. Uh, Gabby's on Holiday. Yes. Paced at, Tur- at Churchill last time, and she just missed But I thought she ran super well coming off of a year-long layoff. 5-1, and Heredia Corrales, Billy Morey. Book it.
2: I thought, I saw this, I saw the same thing and I was wondering if that's what you were going to lead off with. I like how you lead off with the icebreaker right on top, right? So the lid lifter, as Joe likes to say, I think it's Joe that says that. So.
4: Yeah, the lid lifter.
2: Gabby's on holiday. All right. We'll be watching for that. We watch for all the winners that you and Mr. Shapiro, Shepard and Capra throughout this meet. Good luck to you. Uh, I'm sure maybe one evening I'll stop up there, or whatever, and say hi. Uh, these guys might too. We'll head to Turfway and we're looking forward to it. All right.
4: All right. I can't wait.
2: Thanks, Caitlin.
4: All right, thank you.
2: Okay,
1: that was Caitlin Free. The voice. Well, not really the voice. The voice of the simulcast of Turfway Park, I guess you could say.
2: she's grown to the face of Turfway Park. I mean, who else would there be, right?
1: Well Tony Kahlo would, would I guess would be the voice of Turfway now. But Yeah.
2: Very true. I mean, very she's true. the
1: face she's the face of Turfway. How about that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There we go. Speaking of turfway, a big stakes race. Well, not a big stakes race, but, uh, uh, holiday inaugural is on Saturday, six furlongs. I saw Bling is in there. Bling scratched out of the Mrs. Revere after they moved it to the dirt. I, I, I have an affinity for that Philly because she got me off to a good start at Keeneland.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember so the she,
1: race. If she can handle the poly track, then she's got a big chance there, I would okay. think. So that's a, a but that's a really nice
2: full field of 12. That's the norm there, isn't it? Full field 12. It's music. I don't play every day, but when I do play, I like to see those full fields of 12. I'm a fan. I, I'm a fan of the maiden claiming 5000s there. I love those races too. Uh, I think you can, you can gain an edge in some of those races or whatever, but yeah, there's going to be a little chaos. What I, you know. what I
1: like to do, I, if, if Wesley Ward's got a, a horse and he, and he'll have something in those maiden fives, those maiden oh, yeah. 7, 500s, if you can find one that he's going to dominate and then, Go to work on that superfect and try to try to catch some bombs underneath.
2: Well, because what happens those races uh, when it, of course, sometimes those horses don't perform. We all know that, but when they do, uh, he that horse will run them off their feet, and you'll have a horse that uh, uh, the horses are chasing will tire, and you'll find some mid-pack horse uh, pass three or four horses late and get it for a second. So yeah, well, you, those and those superfects will pay much more than you think they will.
1: You could find some horses in the. Form that's got you know a bunch of third and fourth and fifth place finishes and just key them underneath and then you know use all the everything else around them They're usually a cheap play and then you can sometimes it'll score sometimes it won't you can yeah. catch all favorites but
2: one of the keys in races like that to me particularly in the young in, the, in those claiming races in races where you know some horse probably runs somebody off their feet to find any horses that have just past horses just past horses. Uh, a horse that's run, maybe he's run 10th. He's only passed three horses in a lane. Uh, those are the ones that you can usually, uh, get up there to price at 25, 30 to one.
0: I agree. And totally toss the ones that are, have not shown the ability to do so. You know, if you're going to have like a second choice that's, that's, uh, going to be heavily bet as well. And it's one that hasn't passed horses and you have some others that can. That's where you spice up the exotics there.
2: Amen, brother. Okay. That's it. It's
1: That's all it for now. It's off now, unless somebody has something they want to speak now. Or forever hold your peace.
2: I guess I spoiled it. We're, I, you know what one thing real quick. I told you we're, we probably are going to have Gavin Ashton on next week. He's he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Got a couple other people in mind, but we're, we're working on this Miles Park thing, ain't we? See, see the old Miles Park. We got we got maybe we got something. Miles Park was a track around here in the late sixties, early seventies here in world. Nobody remembers. We might have some ties there. So we might a little special episode about that one day about a race track of lore, right right
1: yeah that we gotta if we can hook this up we got a really nice guy that would uh yeah. gonna help us out a whole lot on that so yeah and that's it, for our it, benefit
2: it. you know we want to learn about it we want to hear about because we're I, I talk about being old all the time i'm not old enough to remember miles park so it's we find things like that interesting so maybe that would be in the future here
1: okay Uh that's all I've got. So on behalf of our special guest, Caitlin Free, Brandon Jaggers, who's already gone to bed, here and gone in no time flat, Alan Snyder's, Jeff Riggs, a cast of thousands around the world, CC brought us reminding you in the words of our fearless leader, Jerry Romans, we're not happy until you're not happy. Good night.